Hi friend, if you love the information you hear in the podcast, then you will love the free mini series of videos that I've put together just for you. It's all about the biblical blueprint for health and teaches you exact principles I've taught to thousands of Christian women that result in weight loss, better sleep, increased energy, clearer skin, and sharper brains. You can go to thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries to grab this free set of short, powerful teachings that will show you how to create better health God's way. It's at thechristiannutritionist.com slash miniseries. Go check it out now. Hi, I'm Chelsea, the Christian Nutritionist. Welcome to the Christian Health Club podcast. We are here to fire you up in spirit, mind, and body so that you can get out into the world and be everything God created you to be. Welcome to the club. Here we go. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to the club. How are you today? Carly is back again. Hey, Carly. Hey, glad to be back. Yes, I'm glad to have you back. You were just here for the Adrenals podcast, which we got such great feedback on, by the way. So thank you for that. I asked Carly back today because I feel like there are two supplements that have been coming up a lot in our Christian Health Practitioner group. I mean, we've taught about a whole lot of supplements because that is part of the training that we offer because we want our practitioners to understand how to therapeutically utilize supplements when necessary and put them together as part of a client's protocol. But there are two that are not your everyday digestive enzyme or probiotic or magnesium that seem to be popping up a lot in our recommendations or questions or discussions, and both are related to inflammation. One of them, which we call the Pac-Man supplement because it chomps down inflammatory proteins, is one that Carly and I learned about years and years ago in our nutritional therapy training, and I know we've both used it off and on as needed over the years. Recently, one of my friends uh, had COVID, and she reached out to me and was like, I feel like poop. What can I do? What can I take? And I said, I don't, you know, I don't know if you're going to take anything that's going to make you feel better right now acutely because you're kind of deep in it. But I said, if it were me, I would be taking uh, this Pac-Man supplement, uh, a binder and mitochondrial support. So honestly, that was another impetus for me wanting to do this podcast today because I want to talk about the Pac-Man supplement, which is um, called actually called a systemic enzyme. (laughs) We will talk about it. And then the other supplement that has come up quite a bit are SPMs or specialized pro-resolving mediators. And frankly, I didn't have a lot of experience using that as a supplement until Carly taught me about it and we incorporated it into our curriculum in the school. And our students have caught right on um, to it and have been incorporating it for their personal use and educating some of their practice clients on it. So I wanted to have Carly back on today so we could talk about these two powerful supplements and use them as a springboard to talk about inflammation because inflammation is rampant. And so I think it's a a good topic to talk about. What do you think, girl? 
I mean, I just feel like inflammation is so prevalent that it almost seems more common to be super inflamed than it is to not be inflamed. And the goal, I mean, the goal of inflammation, it's not necessarily an inherently bad thing. It's just when it's overdone, when it's just kind of reached past its point of helpfulness, basically. So I really feel that inflammation is just this really hard thing to understand. So we're going to break it down as best we can and kind of how we can talk about what does it mean. So inflammation is perceived to be like the big bad wolf, like from our children's stories. It's something that's just inherently terrible for your body. Like no matter what context, inflammation is the enemy and it's the number one problem. But in fact, it's actually the body's natural response against injury or infection. It's really great in acute situations because what it does is when inflammation occurs, it's almost like a, you know, it's like kind of like a fire alarm. Like it's saying, hey, we need help here. We need help over here. Bring all of the firemen, bring all of the first responders over here and fix this. So that's things like um, our red blood cells, our white blood cells, um, cytokines, um, and that will bring more oxygen, more nutrients to that site of injury. When it passes its point of helpfulness is if it continues long-term in like an uncontrolled, out-of-whack out of kind of fashion. So when we think about inflammation, we can think about it in two different ways. We can think about it as being acute or as being chronic. So an acute inflammatory response is normal. It's actually part of the way that our creator made us, and it's amazing. So that's something short-term. Usually between like, you know, a couple hours to, you know, eight to 12 weeks is something acute. Um, and chronic is something long-term. That's usually something 12 or more weeks in duration, according to all of my medical training. So acute being short-term, chronic being long-term. So when we talk about inflammation being an issue, really the only issue is chronic inflammation. So thinking about that is a, is a great way to just set the stage. I feel like that is a huge misnomer. Don't you agree, Chels, like acute versus chronic? Yeah, I do. And you know, it, it just reminds me about the discussion we just had on adrenals and cortisol, right? And how, you know, we need that kind of acute um, stress response, right? We need, we need a little bit of it, but it's when we have that ongoing, um, you know, cortisol, that ongoing stress, that's the problem. Same with this, this inflammation, when it's ongoing, when it's chronic, that is really the problem. But God made our body to have a stress response. He made it to have an inflammatory response. But we're so extra now <laughs> that we, you know, we we take it to the top and we just we have to be stressed and inflamed all the time. So that's really the issue. And, I, and that's uh, what we'll dive deeper into, I think, today. Yes, we're all just a little too extra. You put it perfectly, Chels. <laughs> so let's kind of break down the inflammatory response. I'm going to put my little nerd hat on, everyone, so hang on. So we have two stages. We have stage one of the inflammatory response, and we have stage two. So stage one of that inflammatory response, we can call that immune initiation. When the body first senses inflammation, that usually that's because of tissue injury or infection, it mobilizes its immune army. So that's like the red blood cells, the white blood cells we talked about, inflammatory mediators like those cytokines to all rush over to the site of inflammation 
and start the repair process. So this also brings blood flow and along with it extra oxygen to nourish the tissues. So because all this stuff is like racing toward it, it's kind of like if a highway is super trafficy and crowded, it's going to create at that site where the inflammation is pain, heat, swelling, and redness. Those are very common uh, descriptions because think about it's like a highway with tons of traffic being pushed towards a destination. I think about it like when we have a hockey game <laughs> in downtown Tampa where I live, it will be really, really, really trafficy leading up to that event. And then after it's over, everyone goes home. And on the way back, it's it's also inflamed, but then or the traffic is kind of blocked. But then after that, all goes back to normal. So of course, we know that with that extra blood flow, we're getting extra nutrients, but there are certain symptoms we can just expect as a result of an acute inflammatory response that are a good thing. So I was just on a trip to um, Charlotte and I was running and I slipped on mud and I sprained my knee. And it's funny how when you know all this information about your health and inflammation, I was like looking at my knee like really carefully like, oh, I hope this happens. <laughs> I hope that happens. Like I'm so excited for the swelling to happen and all this stuff because I was so just curious to see how my body did with the inflammation process. So the inflaming is just as important as the anti-inflame. We want to be able to bring all those healing compounds to that site. That's super nerdy. Just saying. <laughs> yep. You know me. <laughs> I think it's awesome, though, when we think about this, you know, and thinking about it in the context of our creator. And it's, you know, say you, um, you know, you cut yourself. I think that's an easy one for people to kind of think about. Like when you you cut yourself, you don't have, you don't look at your skin and be like, okay, now everything moved to the side of inflammation and and like skin, you need to grow back together. And, you know, like all these things that are they're happening. Like our body, this is just happening in our body. This is the way God made us. And I think when you think about it that way, yes, it's nerdy, but it's also so cool and it's so amazing. So inflammation, like you said, not a bad guy. We need it because that is our body's signal like, hey, something needs fixing over here. Let's go over here and fix this. Um, so I, I love like kind of bringing that perspective uh, to it as you do, um, even though it's nerdy. And that's why we love each other here. <laughs> Nerds unite, basically. <laughs> so when we think about, so thinking about my knee, going back to the knee example. So I could have very easily been like, oh, my knee's getting swollen. Oh, it's all hot. It's all swollen. It's red. It hurts. I, You know what I should do? I should take a bunch of ibuprofen. I should take a bunch of Tylenol. And here's the deal. What would that do? That would shortcut. That would just kind of... It would basically just tell my body, no, you're not allowed to bring healing compounds to this site. We're just going to hard stop on the inflammation. And that would have hurt my recovery in the long term. I think in terms of looking at this injury versus ones in the past where I didn't know as much about not stopping inflammation before its job is done, basically, I would have immediately jumped to ibuprofen, acetaminophen, something like it because I was so scared of what my body naturally was doing anyway which is so silly, but I just think it's cool. The perspective shifts and the ways that the ways that God can shift our mindset around all these things. I think it's amazing. Oh, that is such a good point because uh, I, I, that's what most people do. That's our instinct, right? I'm in pain. I got to take something and we don't think about it as, as stopping that process that is supposed to happen. Um, so yeah, great point. Great point. Well, and I think the same point about symptom suppression just occurs in general. 
like, you know, when people get sick, so I call them cleansing symptoms because it sounds less gross. But if you are having coughing and sneezing and vomiting and diarrhea and fever, your body is doing something. It's not trying to make you miserable on purpose. (laughs) So when the body is creating these symptoms, what it's trying to do is either with fever, the pyrogens are increasing the temperature. We're trying to turn up the heat because if the germs can't handle the heat, they got to get out of the kitchen. That's what the cleansing symptom of fever is about. If we just stop the fever before it does its job, we could be sick for a lot longer. I'm not saying never, ever use medication, but just be wise about it. I don't jump to these sorts of things unless I know that my inflammation is past the point of helpfulness, which we'll talk about in a moment. Um, But I think this applies to vomiting and diarrhea. People are like, well, I'm throwing up. I'm having diarrhea. What can I take? I'm like, maybe take some charcoal, but there's not a whole lot else I would recommend. You having symptoms and feeling sick is actually a good thing because it means your body is trying to get that thing out and it's not just letting you be a sitting duck for whatever the next thing that comes along. Yep. Uh, that's uh, such a good point. You know, it, yep. The fever makes me think of the fever and how we immediately want to uh, suppress that. And a lot of us, it's just because we're in a hurry. We need to get back to work. We need our kids to get back to school. Um, and I understand that, but I think it's really important to understand this too, like understand the inflammation process and what is supposed to happen. So we can embrace it a little bit more and do understand that, you know, our body is not against us. You know, if you're like, you know, have explosive diarrhea and <laughs> and you're like throwing snot out of your nose, your body is trying to eject something, you know, again, your body is not against you. It's trying to get things out. So, um, yeah, I think that's a, a, a lovely perspective to have instead of what we are usually thinking when something's going wrong. Let's talk about more about that inflammation process. What does that look like as it unfolds? So this is the important part is that we aren't supposed to just stay in the um, coughing, sneezing, throwing up, painful, red, hot, swollen situation, which I'm sure everyone's grateful for, <laughs> myself included. I also just think it's it's easier to feel okay with being sick when you know that it's not a bad thing. And it's actually funny on our nutritional assessment questionnaire that Chelsea and I use with our clients, that actually tells you that being sick too often or or being sick never, like not getting sick often enough, like not even once a year or twice a year, every third year, people that talk, come to me and say, haven't been sick in 10 years, that's not a good sign either. So it's all about balance. I feel like that's the thing we just are continually reminded of is that balance is the most important thing. So how does our body return to balance after we kind of have a maybe a little bit of an overzealous response. If your knee gets super swollen or you have a high fever, if your body is a little overzealous in its immune response, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Of course, watch yourself carefully. There are points in fever where you should you should probably do something about it medically, but it's a lot later than what most people would think. So first things first, talk about what that second part of the immune response is. So once the body has been in the inflamed side of things, The second stage is called immune resolution. So after the healing response is complete, that healing process is complete, 
then the body should say, okay, inflammation, thank you, but your job's done here. And so it produces these compounds called pro-resolving mediators. And those SPMs press the stop button on inflammatory functions and symptoms and promote waste removal and tissue regeneration. Um, and so those sorts of things are really important. We can't just have the inflammation to be like, okay, now, now we think inflammation's good. <laughs> <laughs> so we have to be balanced about it. So we need stage two to happen. And a lot of times we get stuck. We never really get out of stage one. We kind of just sit there towards the end of it. And we never really get to that kind of like your body taking a deep breath and going, okay, I'm good. I don't need to keep having this problem. <laughs> so oftentimes there's lots of reasons why this happens. Um, but oftentimes we don't end up passing through stage two and completing our immune response in terms of inflammation. So that's where the problem lies. It's not in the acute inflammation, but it's also, it's not just the acute inflammation, I should say. It's the continuation of inflammation past the point of helpfulness. So, you know, of course we think about acute inflammation. We talked about pain, heat, redness, swelling, loss of function, like your knee is hurting and you can't bend your knee or whatever it might be. Um, so things that might trigger acute inflammation, that's things like respiratory illness, like having COVID, having a cold, having a flu, my musculoskeletal injury, um, anything like that, an acute inflammatory response. You're fighting something off that you're, that you're getting sick from. Um, for me, like getting exposed to mold sets off an acute inflammatory response. Okay, but then what happens if that doesn't get resolved? you will kind of end up with these chronic kind of like low-lying symptoms that are just very vague. So it could be things like chronic body pain, consistently elevated inflammatory markers on your blood work, fatigue, insomnia, digestive concerns, um, weight gain, metabolic dysfunction, um, even depression and or anxiety have been hypothesized to not result from just neurotransmitter changes, but specifically from high inflammation because cytokines can actually increase um, the rates of depression in people. Excess cytokine activity, which is related with inflammation, um, it can really also show up on your blood work. So some common signs of inflammation on blood work are high or low white blood cell counts, high red blood cells and platelets, elevated blood sugar, elevated hemoglobin A1C, which is the blood sugar marker, the average blood sugar marker over about 90 to 120 days, elevated cholesterol and triglycerides, high GGT, um, increases in iron and ferritin and those sorts of things. So those are just some very common things that I think most um, practitioners, providers, people in general just kind of gloss over and say, oh, you know, your blood sugar is a little high. Oh, maybe your cholesterol is high, blah, blah, blah. Maybe you should stop eating fats when it's not the fat's fault. <laughs> your inflammation is really what's at play there. And I think that's a huge um, misconception is that cholesterol, high blood sugar only result from diet, not related at all to inflammation. Great point. I think, um, yeah, when we talk about cholesterol coming in and trying to um, help calm down the inflammation. This is this is what we're talking about. So this is something that I think everybody needs to consider when when you get a a blood test back or you go to your doctor and you know like oh you have um you know high cholesterol let's throw you on a medication. 
Um, let's talk about why. Why do you have high cholesterol? Well, maybe you are chronically inflamed for one reason or the other. Um, so yeah, I mean, this is, this is why this is important to know right here. Absolutely. So when we think about just generalized inflammation and cholesterol specifically, cholesterol can act as essentially a firefighter, putting out the fire. So they're responding to that alarm bell that inflammation is sending. And so if cholesterol is high, it's just, it's just doing its job. <laughs> we don't want to blame the firefighter for the fire, right? So it's all about that cholesterol is rising in response to a demand for, for like a reduction in inflammation. Um, and so just knowing that we'll kind of go into that more later, but think about if you give yourself a statin, you're super inflamed, say you're super inflamed, cholesterol and triglycerides are high, then you get put on a statin medication, then your cholesterol, your body's only way of reducing that inflammation or one of the very few ways of reducing that inflammation is now suddenly gone. You are essentially a cardiometabolic firestorm just waiting to happen. You have no clue what's going to happen because now you have inflammation and you have no way of stopping it. So you kind of have unchecked inflammation, which is more of a risk factor for heart attack and stroke than high cholesterol and triglycerides are independently. Yeah. I, I want to go back to something you were saying in that stage two, and you you um, talked about the body making SPMs. So I just, I don't want people to miss that since we're talking about SPMs and how we can take those um, supplementally. And we'll, we'll get into that as we move through here, but I just wanted to point that out so nobody missed it, that our body is supposed to make those, correct? Yes, we're supposed to make SPMs as a result of inflammation. In not all, in not all situations do we actually make enough, especially when inflammation gets real out of hand. <laughs> so we'll talk about that shortly. Um, thinking about just some other inflammation markers just for, for, before we get there, um, elevated HSCRP, which is a C-reactive protein, which is a risk factor for heart attack and stroke, and homocysteine. So elevated HSCRP is actually one of the most important risk factors for heart disease and stroke. Um, in practice, I usually talk to patients, clients that an optimal HSCRP is less than one. An HSCRP in somebody that's moderately inflamed will be between one and three. And an HSCRP in severe inflammation is three or greater. I mean, I've seen one of 50 before. So we know that it's possible for them to get really, really high. And the reason for the HS before the CRP, C-reactive protein, is you want to make sure that the test that you're getting is highly sensitive or HS because it's going to show you a number less than three. If you get a regular CRP test, you're not going to get the specificity of a smaller number. It's just going to say like less than three or less than one. So I like an HS CRP for the most sensitive result. Um, and then homocysteine, that is related to poor methylation, which is what helps us use our B vitamins and detox, as well as it, that marker homocysteine also reflects generalized inflammation. So an optimal homocysteine level is less than about six. So if you're not sure if this applies to you, but you have some of the fatigue symptoms, just chronic pain, just not feeling yourself, and then your HSCRP is high and your homocysteine is high, those are major red flags that your body um, is in a little bit of that stuck, not really processed all that inflammation, hasn't passed through stage two and isn't done with the inflammatory response just yet. 
so good. And y'all, we will put, I know we're like throwing all these numbers and these markers and we'll put all of these in the show notes so you can come back and refer to what those are. And if you want to compare what, you know, the ranges we've talked about with maybe your most recent um, blood test, that might be a good thing to do. Absolutely. Love us some good functional ranges. So let's talk about how the body reduces the mounting inflammation. So we talked about SPMs. One way is with SPMs, the body will make specialized pro-resolving mediators. But the other major way is with cholesterol. So cholesterol actually rises directly in response to demand for antioxidant support. So as we get older, it's natural for our cholesterol level to go up and all of our levels of our cholesterol, so HDL, LDL, uh, triglycerides, all that stuff, especially LDL and triglycerides, because there's more oxidation happening the older we get, the slower on the uptake our body is to fix that and heal that. So because of that fact, only about 75% or about 75% of our blood cholesterol is actually made by the body in response to that demand for antioxidants but only 25% is from our food. So if we blame like dietary cholesterol, like eggs and butter and all these really healthful foods, steak for heart disease, it's essentially blaming the firefighters for the fire. And we want to honor our first responders better than that, I would think. So what we need to do is kind of discover the root cause of the fire rather than blame the first responders. So we'll support the body to reduce cholesterol production by reducing inflammation versus just suppressing cholesterol just to suppress it and make the number look better, but not actually fix the root cause. That's so good. And and I'm so glad you pointed out that, you know, as we age, so, you know, blame, blame the age, (laughs) blame our aging, um, but that we need, our body does that on purpose so that we can combat this inflammation and and these things that are, you know, coming our way as we age. And so, um, so it is normal for you to have a higher cholesterol numbers as you age. And I know in our functional ranges that we do have a higher set of um, what, you know, we would consider uh, a reasonable cholesterol level. Um, I think it's above 60 um, is what we have it Mm -hmm. at. Yeah. And it's just, you know, if it's a higher um, at that age or above, that is not unusual because your body is just fighting a little bit more inflammation with age. And so again, I I think this is so important to understand and have context here. Absolutely. I mean, I just think about there's so many decisions that you make as you get older and as you kind of go to the doctor and talk to people about your health and the way that you see your health, um, is just so important. Having this vision of like, how did the Lord make me? I don't think the Lord made any of us inherently broken. I don't think he decided let's make, let's make the body like really, really easily breakable (laughs) and not resilient. That's not how he made us. He has this beautiful, intentional, creative design for our bodies. And that includes a design for a healthy aging process. And I just don't want to get in the middle of what God's trying to do in any way. So whenever I'm working with clients or with patients, we're, we're trying to look for the ways the body is trying to support you and just being in addition to that versus just saying, nana, 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 boo, boo, I can't hear you body. I don't care. <laughs> Which is what, you know, using excessive statins and those sorts of things is really doing in so many different cases. Yeah. And same, you know, and like you were saying, if we're just like throwing back a bunch of ibuprofen every day and Tylenol and, you know, uh, I get it because we don't want to feel bad. And sometimes you just, you know, 
I'm not saying I've never used an ibuprofen in the last few years. Um, I have when it's just gotten really bad, but um, I it is very rare. And I just know people that throw that back like candy um, because they are in pain and have this inflammation. And um, I just, you know, I think there are uh, other ways to consider it. And also, you know, some of the supplements we're going to talk about today might be of use as well. Absolutely. So let's talk about when you figure out that your body needs more support for reducing that inflammation. It's just still going on forever and ever and ever, it feels like. So one indicator, like I said, is high CRP levels that are just not responding. Um, Even CRP levels that are just creeping up on your labs. Continued chronic pain and fatigue, high homocysteine, high GGT. So why do these things get high in the first place? Well, the body needs cofactors like healthy fats and other nutrients like magnesium and folate and B12 to make SPMs and resolve inflammation. Make SPMs, make cholesterol to resolve inflammation. So if we don't have these or if the body lacks the metabolic capacity to resolve this inflammation, then we'll get stuck. And so what do I mean by if it lacks the metabolic capacity to resolve inflammation? Think about if you are constantly, constantly driving your car at 100 miles an hour and you are just draining that gas tank like nobody's business and then an unexpected stressor comes up and you have to drive it further, but there's no gas left in the tank. That's what it's like when we get, when we get inflamed or get sick and we aren't able to kind of complete that response. I do think we have a preponderance of chronic inflammation just with our culture the way that it is today because of the way that we are constantly moving and going and not being and not abiding in the presence of God. And we're just constantly going and thinking about things and moving and soccer practice and picking up kids from school and work and stress at home and all that keeping up with the Joneses type of stuff. How is our body going to have a chance? It's not going to have enough, you know, metabolic gas in the tank, not enough fuel to put the stuff together that will resolve the inflammation in the first place. So if you're underslept, if you're undernourished, you're not feeding your body appropriately, you're not moving your body appropriately, you're going to have a really hard time resolving inflammation. So I I don't want to lose sight of that. I mean, before you go jumping to supplements, is your life one that is just like sucking your soul <laughs> dry or is it something that where you have space to breathe and you feel like you're building your metabolic capacity and resilience and you're learning to learning to walk with God instead of in front of him. <laughs> so yeah. I think this is huge. I just, I don't want to, I don't want to forget mentioning this because it's so critical when I work with patients. Yeah. And you know, in the adrenal podcast, we talked about metabolic deposits, you know, um, depositing into our, um, our supply. We, you and I did a a podcast about, you know, rest and Sabbath and all of those things that, um, yes, we could practice those better. I think we could all practice those better, but you're exactly right to consider all of those things. And we're not, we're not always trying to go, uh, straight to supplementville, but, um, those, you know, those other inputs are, critical first, but, um, but yeah, but we do like to share the kind of hacky side things with you and things that, um, might be helpful to get you by. So yeah, good point. Absolutely. Well, we'll talk more about the hacky side in a second. So let's talk about what some, some options are for you. So the first very basic thing to do is just to eat enough fats to allow your body to have what it needs to build SPMs and build cholesterol. So just eating enough healthy fats, 
just not eating low fat. Um, I think most of us are getting pretty good at this topic. Chelsea's taught us well. And in addition, just eating enough nutrient-dense food. So there's three nutrients that you really need for for inflammation. Um, Of course, you need all the nutrients, but these are the three that I would focus on first. Magnesium, um, which of course is a mineral and it's involved in thousands of enzymatic reactions in the body. It is so critical for blood sugar regulation and just healing in general. It is so important. Then we have folate, which is vitamin B9, and we have vitamin B12. The B vitamins, think of those as kind of powering those cellular engines. And so it's impossible to make anything in a factory if the machines don't work. And that's what the B12 and the folate and the magnesium do is that it's kind of helping to act as cofactors for those that production of those compounds, which is so very cool. So what we'll do is we'll start out talking about systemic enzymes, and then what we'll do is we'll move on to our SPMs and what that looks like. So SPMs are omega-related, so fish oil-related, and systemic enzymes are just like what they sound like. They are enzymes. So enzymes are an interesting kind of topic. You can think about enzymes, you often hear about digestive enzymes, and we're not talking about digestive enzymes necessarily. So the definition of an enzyme is a substance produced by a living organism which acts as a catalyst to bring about a specific biochemical reaction. When we think about enzymes, what we're looking at is the enzyme is going to help speed along a biochemical reaction. So when we're talking about digestive enzymes, those are going to help speed up the process of breakdown of our food. That's the purpose of a digestive enzyme. Whereas a systemic enzyme is generally more so meant as a catalyst to clean up trash, basically. So we call them Pac-Men for a reason. I have no idea where this came from, <laughs> but you think about it like the, the old school Pac-Man game where a systemic enzyme enters the bloodstream and it kind of chomps up any little inflammatory molecules and fibrin, those are byproducts of inflammation. And fibrin is something that's almost like a fibrous type material. And it's blocking cells from communicating with one another. So that Pac-Man really just kind of goes through the whole body and kind of picks up all that trash and chomps it right up, which As you can imagine, living in today's world and how stressful and crazy things are, this is a huge help for a lot of people. So we're going to talk about two different types. Anything else you wanted to add about the Pac-Man, Chels? Nope. That's, no, we're going right down the path I want to go down. That's perfect. (laughs) I love it. I love it when we're on the same same, uh, wavelength, my friend. But yes, those, um, those systemic enzymes are critical. So there's two different types I'm going to talk about. There's one called dissolve it all. So this is our preferred systemic enzyme for many different things, which we'll talk about. So dissolve it all contains two different enzymes. One's called serapeptase and one's called natokinase. It also has another group of complementary ingredients, things like bromelain and papain, which are enzymes from both from pineapple and papaya, respectively. Lipase, which is a fat digesting um, enzyme proteases, which help digest proteins, rutin and amla, which are vitamin C related compounds. 
So the com the kind of the complex of dissolve it all contains everything you would need to support cardiovascular health and an optimal inflammatory response. So kind of helping promote that kind of cleanup of that after stage two, phase two. So Serapeptase has been researched a lot, and it, it's shown that serapeptase possesses significant anti-inflammatory, proteolytic, and fibrinolytic, so protein-dissolving and fibrin-dissolving properties. So by that, we know that it can reduce scar tissue, improve tissue healing. It actually supports a healthy respiratory system. So this can be a really helpful thing in cases of upper respiratory illnesses like COVID, which I think is really huge. And then we have natokinase. Natokinase is like a really strong anti-inflammatory and also helps to degrade fibrin as well. So the combination of those two is the largest part of dissolve it all, but the other ingredients just make it more of a well-rounded enzyme besides just those two more systemic enzymes. So the way that you take this um, is usually one to three capsules a day on an empty stomach. So the thing to keep in mind with any enzyme you take is that whatever the purpose is, you need to take it either on an empty stomach or with food, depending on what you're using it for. So if it's taken with food, an enzyme, it will aid in protein digestion, fat digestion, which is totally fine, but that's not quite the goal here. <laughs> so you want to take it on an empty stomach at least 30 minutes before food or 90 minutes after food. Um, and so that's the goal is with enzymes, always taking them away from food if you're using it for inflammation purposes. But these can also double as a great digestive enzyme if you're eating out and you're like, oh, I know I'm eating something I feel like is going to make me feel a little sick or I don't know what kind of oils they're using. You could always take an enzyme with it too. So it's a nice little two for one special. I will say too, there is also very um, interesting therapeutic applications for serapeptase and natokinase. So actually in Alzheimer's disease, they've shown some in, in, rat, in a rat model, I should say, um, they've shown some relief for the pathophysiology, the, the issue of Alzheimer's in serapeptase and natokinase use, which is really cool. It's kind of breaking up some of the um, beta amyloid plaques and all those things that really contribute to that slowing of cognitive function. Yeah. And um, I was looking, you know, I was kind of looking around, looking for some studies and more information um, on this because um it just, you know, it, it came to me instinctively when I, my friend was reaching out about COVID and I was like, yeah, like go in there and break all this junk down. But so I went around and look, looking at some stuff. So I want to just read some of this uh, information that I found. And um, this comes from, and I'm going to link to these articles and stuff in the show notes, but this is, I'm just going to read you some notes straight from the National Library of Medicine. I'm going to just, this is coming from them, not from me or us, but this is what it says. Uh, serapeptase is one of the most anti-inflammatory drugs with numerous therapeutic applications. This enzyme has anti-inflammatory, anti-biofilm, mucolytic, fibrinolytic, and wound healing properties. It is widely used in treating carpal tunnel syndrome, arthritis, fibrotic, fibrocystic breast disease, bronchitis, and sinusitis. Um, it has also been used in the treatment of Alzheimer's, as you just said, Carly. The enzyme has the ability to degrade amyloid plaques. Um, several proteolytic enzymes are known to act 
um, against the in coordination with the mechanism of viral entry, viral propagation, and establishment in host cells. The serapeptase enzyme plays a vital role in the treatment of COVID-19 infection. The fibro Fibronolytic activity of serapeptase, along with the proteolytic and anti-inflammatory activity, increased its potential for reducing the severity of vascular complications in COVID-19 patients, and also been shown to contain the property of blood clot lysis and is able to remove arterial blocks and cysts. So that is straight from the National Library of uh, Medicine, and I thought that was really interesting information just going right along here what with with what we're talking about today i mean straight from the horse's mouth that's pretty amazing <laughs> i think that is so fascinating and it's even just listed in that those amazing like research papers i just think it's so 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 cool so we'll dive in a little bit more about about enzymes and spms in the show notes we'll link some awesome studies for you guys so you can see them so the other option for our enzymes is Intenzyme Forte. So this is the a little bit more accessible version of a dissolve it all, but it doesn't have those two enzymes we just talked about. It has it doesn't have serapeptase, doesn't have natokinase. It has the the um, papaya and pineapple enzymes in it, but it does not have the others. I still find it to be so helpful, but it's just not quite the same punch that's packed, especially if you have like joint issues, musculoskeletal concerns, respiratory things. Like in my family's um, upper respiratory illness kit, I will say that I will always have dissolve it all, a bottle of dissolve it all in there because I think it's that helpful and that just encouraging for the body to be able to break up those specific types of junk, <laughs> you know, the fibrin, the clots, those sorts of things. All right. Moving right along to SPMs, so specialized pro-resolving mediators, okay? So what we'll do is we'll talk about SPMs, and then I'm going to link to some of the studies that have been done. They've talked about how it's used and they're used in neuroinflammation, which is brain inflammation, all sorts of things. But we'll talk about what they are first, and then we'll kind of get into that. So an SPM is a supercharged compound that is a inflammation stop button, basically. It's derived from fish oil, so omegas, um, generally speaking. And what it does is it will reduce hyperactivity of the immune response. It'll kind of just tell it to stop right here. So the body should be able to make SPMs. So if we take omega-3 supplements, this is why they're known as an inflammation stopper. This is why SPM supplements or my omega supplements actually work to reduce cholesterol in a lot of cases and why people find that they get relief from um, depression or joint pain and things like that from taking fish oil, which is interesting. So it should be able to make SPMs from omega-3 supplements um, and or our diet containing omega-3, but that doesn't always happen. Oftentimes because we have so much omega-6 and polyunsaturated fatty acids that we basically end up in a net omega-6 kind of land with all of our PUFAs. Yeah, and we, so we have talked about that here because, you know, about the kind of the fish oil controversy. Should I be taking fish oil? And, you know, um, you'll hear hear it on both sides. But um, but really, yes, that is one of the problems is that people over-consume omega-6 fatty acids, which fuel the inflammatory pathway, which, again, 
is necessary and we need that. But um, if we are over consuming them, then that's one of the things that can be leading to some of this, you know, chronic inflammation. So, um, you know, in, in one case, you might consider, well, instead of, you know, taking supplemental fish oil, maybe I just reduce my omega threes, you know. Um, but you so what you're saying is our body should be able to make SPMs on their own if we have adequate omega three fatty acids. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Also, so, that does not often happen. That yes. That, right. There's sufficient omega-3. There's a low enough metabolic demand on the body. That, that There's a lot of question marks. <laughs> but yes, in theory, absolutely. Would you call SPMs like a souped up fish oil? <laughs> mm-hmm, I call it super superhero fish oil. Okay. Like, like the superman of all the fish oils. <laughs> all right. So it is from, so the SPM that we recommend is from Metagenics um, and it is derived from fish. So anchovy, sardine, and mackerel. Um, and so it is, again, one of those things where it has a, it does have a little, a small amount of cholesterol in it, but only two soft gels is only 10 calories um, and one gram of fat. So it's not that large of a dose, if that makes sense. So if you were to take an omega-3 supplement, it's usually a lot larger of a dose in terms of the amount that they have to use to get the same effect versus an SPM is a really small, tiny little capsule. They've basically concentrated the good stuff in there that makes SPM um, work in the body and taken out all the extra stuff that we don't need, which is really cool. Okay, so let's talk about more about SPMs a little bit. So you'll remember from earlier in our discussion that in phase two of inflammation, that production of SPMs presses that stop button on inflammatory functions and symptoms and helps the body to remove waste and help the tissue to regenerate. So if that's not happening, if the inflammation just seems like it's going on forever, giving exogenous SPMs is a great additional support. I will just say when I had COVID, I gave started giving myself SPMs after about the seven to 10 day mark, because I noticed that I was feeling okay from an acute illness perspective, like my cough was getting better, things like that. But I did have a little bit of a lingering cough. I had some joint pain, things like that. I almost feel like I had bronchitis and I feel like SPMs were a huge part of my healing and recovery, but you don't want to supplement them too early. Because if you supplement them too early, you're going to shortcut what the body's trying to do. (laughs) So we have to wait a little bit of time in the midst of an acute inflammatory episode, unless your body's getting way too zealous with the inflaming, (laughs) then you might want to do it earlier. But for my body, I kind of just waited it out until I felt that I knew knew I needed it. And it was around the seven day mark. Okay. I love that. I love that like direct specific information. And I know, (laughs) I know other people do too. So it's not something. So let's, let's talk about like, okay, if somebody's going to take fish oil or when, if they would take SPMs in place of fish oil, or can you take SPMs ongoing or should you take it, you know, like, can we go there and kind of explain that? Um, Because if you, can you overtake them in a way that's going to suppress your body's own endogenous production of, um, of SPMs. And remember everybody, when we say endogenous, that means your body's producing it. When we say exogenous, that means you're, you're taking them coming from outside the body. So supplementally. Absolutely. So there's a several different things I want to cover here. So when you think about SPMs, you can take omegas and SPMs. Um, generally speaking, I usually tell people they could take cod liver oil ongoing and then add SPMs in during times of inflammation. 
Um, you could take both. It would just be a matter of watching your labs. If CRP is too low, that's going to sound weird. If your CRP is like extremely, extremely low, your homocysteine is almost too low, your white blood cells are kind of low, you may be overtaking things like omega-3s, fish oil, et cetera, because there's a time for inflammation. If you're constantly taking SPMs like forever and ever and ever, I don't think that's the best thing in the world. And we don't really have research to back this up. All we have are these more short-term studies. I just think from a theoretical perspective, you would want to use them when they would pack most of a punch and then let them go. So personally, I usually have clients take them for their initial part of their protocol if they have a high CRP um, for around three months and then stop them, see what happens to the CRP But it, while we're addressing whatever made the inflammation high in the first place. Um, but in my case, I take them when I'm like, when I'm at the end of my sickness, again, with the musculoskeletal injury that I have right now, things like that, I think are really, um, the most supportive. So I think you could technically take both. Um, would you want to necessarily? Maybe not just depending on the person. If you're super inflamed, you could probably use both, honestly. I'm going to say we're not giving medical advice here. <laughs> we're not doctors, but we're just saying in generally speaking what we would do for our personal selves and our family and maybe what Carly has done with her uh, patients. But um, this is not medical advice, just so everybody knows. But I think that's... Um, that is good advice. And I will say that SPMs are a little bit pricey. So this is not something that somebody is you're going to you're going to look at it and be like, wow, that's kind of expensive. So it is cost prohibitive to take them. Uh, I th personally, I think, you know, take them too much. So um, just clarifying there. I think there are some scenarios where somebody's just super inflamed and could use them more long term, um, especially if it's something where we, we aren't able to really address the root because it's just so multifactorial. But I do think that SPMs are hugely beneficial. So I just always will have a bottle in my cabinet. So if you're acutely inflamed, we generally would, like general use that's suggested from, from Metagenics is two capsules two to three times a day for acute inflammation. And then it would be two capsules a day ongoing after that. Um, usually I tell people, okay, for one bottle, I'm going to have you take it twice a day or three times a day. And then after that bottle is gone, take two a day until that's gone. And then we'll check and see what your labs look like. Report back to me. So I think, I mean, doubling it up during the times of that inflammation response right after that, like, cup initial first five-ish days, take it for, you know, two, two, two capsules, two to three times a day. Um, that can be, like, that's what I would personally do is take it, you know, two caps, two to three times a day for, like, a month or so, and then two capsules a day um, for another two months and then let it fly after that and see what happens with your labs and how you feel. Good deal. I love that. I love that. That's awesome. And I will say too, this is a great support for if somebody has elevated CRP um, and or homocysteine because homocysteine is supposed to respond to taking B vitamins, but if it doesn't, it's usually just regular old inflammation. Okay. So one other thing I wanted to mention about SPMs before we close on SPMs. Um, they are actually used oftentimes in neuroinflammation. So we'll link this in the show notes as well. 
This is an article in the journal called Molecules, interestingly enough. It's called Specialized Pro-Resolving Mediators in Neuroinflammation, Overview of Studies and Perspectives of Clinical Applications. So it talks about what each of the actual SPMs are, because we're kind of giving them as a lump right now. Um, They are lipid mediators derived from polyunsaturated fatty acids. Well, we know that they're omega-3 PUFAs, not omega-6 PUFAs, which is a big difference, right? And it breaks down into the different types. So lipoxins, resolvins, protectins, morescins. And there's also recently discovered new SPMs. And so the reason we recommend SPM active for metagenics is they're the ones that patented the SPM product itself because they're the ones that figured this part out, how to actually synthesize those compounds from fish oil, which is so cool. So they talk about neuroinflammation. So if it's happening within the central nervous system, if there's inflammation, that could cause like symptoms of depression, symptoms of anxiety, brain fog, et cetera, and how essentially SPMs help to modulate immunity in the brain such that you your, your brain will actually work better and it can also improve mood, which I think is so very cool. Um, it talks about how um, it nourishes the hippocampus and prefrontal cortex as they contain the highest DHA contact, DHA content, I should say, um, which it's just absolutely amazing. So we'll put this into the notes for you guys to see, um, but we think it's really cool. They showed evidence of decreased um, risk of infarction, which is a fancy word for stroke um, or like a blockage in artery, inflammation, edema, neurological dysfunction compared with regular omega-3 fatty acids, Um, better rescue effect on cerebral stroke, decrease in inflammation, increase in neurological function from Dong et al. in 2019, Um, Friedman et al. in 2016, decrease in atherosclerosis, which is plaque formation in the artery, um, increase or decrease in um, volume of, or area of stroke in the brain from Jean et al. in 2016 and reduced neurological defects by inhibiting um, NF-kappa B, which is a inflammatory compound, um, reduction in inflammation and mitochondrial damage. <laughs> um, it's amazing. Lots of different ways. Decrease in platelet aggregation, decrease in pro-inflammatory cytokines. I mean, the research is does not lie here. I think it's just incredible to see how this compound that, again, is part of the food the Lord gave gave us. This is not some fancy medication that was just was just brought to market. This is something that the Lord gave us as a, a fuel source and a food source, which is so cool. Yeah, and our you know our body is supposed to be able to make it. It does make it, and you know we're it, it again. It all like you know stems from this. Um, the provision of food that we're supposed to be getting and having that, here comes the word balance, you know, not too many omega-6s in relation to omega-3s. Our body's supposed to be able to produce these um, these SPMs. But, you know, sometimes we need a little help from our friends, like our supplement friends. And so <laughs> I think that is why we like to talk about this stuff. And you can see, everybody, why these two supplements have been coming up so much in conversation. Um, we it, They were just of great interest in our group. And um, so, yeah, so fascinating. I love it. Awesome. Thank you so much. Any other questions about SPMs and enzymes we need to answer? Well, let's go back to the enzymes quickly. Um, the dissolve it all. I just love that name, dissolve it all. Again, it's like, let's just think about it. It's breaking it all down. But we kind of talked about SPMs and, you know, taking them um, for inflammation and, and what how you might approach that long term. How might we approach 
these systemic enzymes? Is this something that we take ongoing? Is it something that we should just take um, trying to accomplish something specific? I mean, Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that? I think they could be taken ongoing rather easily. It just depends on the person. I personally take them ongoing. I mean, if I remember, I think my brain prevents me from taking them every day. But I would say I take two a day right now. Um, and I just find that it kind of keeps just it kind of keeps the wheels on the cart, so to speak. So thinking about we don't want to be interfering with the body's immune response all the time. But Dissolve It All is not doing that. Dissolve It All is like picking up the trash. And so if you're, you know, again, if you're just a human living in the world, being exposed to like air and water and food that's not optimal, I think Dissolve It All could be something that could be considered to help you. So I'm open to taking Dissolve It All. I just in times that I'm very inflamed, I will increase it. I'll take like two twice a day, something like that. That's the max. I mean, they, I think they say max is about four per day. Um, but no, normally I take one to two per day and find it to be just fine. Just remember to take it away from food. Otherwise you're going to have super well digested food, but no reduction in inflammation. Yeah, that's important. And that, yeah, so you can, you can take them. I don't think that's the best use of to take the, the dissolve it all with food. And there are other digestive enzymes that I think would be a you know good choice, but, um, Yeah, that's a good one. And I do think, you know, in these times um, of COVID, you know, and it feels like it's about to kick back up again, I just think that these would be handy to have on hand, which is, um, you know, like I said, part of the impetus I wanted to talk about it today, because we get that question a lot, like, what can you do? And this is kind of a different way to think about it. This is different than like, you know, take zinc or uh, take vitamin C or something like that. I think... Now that I have a bigger picture of COVID and the aftermath and uh, the shot and all the things, like this is kind of where my head is at with what I'm thinking about um, for that. So I don't know. They're probably going to rip this podcast right <laughs> off the internet. Censored. <laughs> Censored. Oh, Lordy. I could. I just, I don't know. That's, I just have to share. So we'll just, we'll take our chances and we'll see what mm-hmm. happens. But that's kind of where my, my head's at. Anything else that, did, I feel like we covered it all, but is there anything else that we need to add about the SPMs or the systemic enzymes? No, I think that's good. And I would just say, Regardless of how nice and shiny any supplement feels, I feel like really tune into your godly compass to see if this is something that's right for you right now. Not everything that's helpful needs to be added all at the same time. I think that's one thing I got really caught up in in my early <laughs> my early days of doing all this stuff. And so experiment with what you're doing. Try different things, but ultimately know that we're not dependent on supplements um, for our healing or anything like that. The only person that can heal us is the Lord. So the supplements are a helpful addition, but don't, don't think that they're going to be everything for you. They could be super awesome and helpful. They are for me. Um, but as always tune into, tune into your godly compass. Cause he's, he knows what's best for you. Only he does. Yeah. And I, I know it can get overwhelming because we do talk a lot about different supplements here. And I know, it, cause I know everyone's like probably me and you, like you hear when you're like, Oh, I want it right now. <laughs> like I got to have that. And then you have a cabinet full of supplements. So be judicious, be discerning. Do you need it? Yes. Always because it, it can get expensive. It can get overwhelming, but we do like to educate you and, you know, just give you the information so you, you know, can be, so you know it and then, you know, use it as you need it and look more into it and such. But 
we will put uh, everything in the show notes, kind of all that stuff that we talked about today. Um, and I do have a discount code for Dissolve It All. So I know I'll get the question, can you get that on full script? You cannot. Um, I wish it was on full script. Maybe they'll do that one day. But you have to order that one separately. But um, you can get a discount with the code TCN for the Christian nutritionist, TCN. Um, the Metagenics is on full script, right? Yes, SPM active. There are other SPMs that are on full script, but they aren't as high of a dose. So I would suggest sticking to SPM active if you want the highest potency. It looks more expensive, but when you break it down capsule by capsule, it ends up being more affordable to do metagenics because it's more potent. Just a word to the wise, because when I first saw the other ones that were cheap, I was like, ooh, 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 but they aren't as potent. So you're going to get less of an effect. Okay, good advice. Good deal. Thank you for that. Okay, awesome. Um, I forgot to last, ask you last time about, you know, I know we talk so often, but, um, and you're on here often, so I don't always ask you about an anchor meal or an anchor verse, but do you have any that you would like to share with us today? Absolutely. Okay, I've been, I randomly got into making pastured pork chops. How random is that? Um, and so I've been like marinating them, like olive oil, lemon juice, um, the, I forget what, who, it's Diane Sanfilippo's um, seasonings, the Greek seasoning, and then just making like roasted veggies on the side and like those little baby potatoes. It's been a great little meal. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm enjoying my pork chop era. So that's the current anchor meal, at least for the dinner side of things. Um, and then anchor verse. So I love this um, little passage from Ecclesiastes. So I'm going to read it and I want y'all to just kind of let it let it soak in there. Um, this, of course, applies to lipids and inflammation, but it also applies to a lot of other things too. So um, I know every time I read it, I get a little bit of something different out of it. So here in Ecclesiastes um, chapter 3, verses 1 through 8, there is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to scatter stones and a time to gather them. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. So with that said, just keeping our, our God goals on that inflammation is not a bad thing. It is a huge part of the way the Lord made our bodies to protect us against all sorts of threats. But whenever anything is done out of its season, even if it's a good thing, that's where the problem lies is when, when it's outside of the season that God appointed to it. And so keep that in mind as you go into your week, everybody, and I'll see you guys next time. Oh, thank you. That was so good. There's so there is a time to inflame and a time not to inflame. There's a time to take supplements yeah. and a time not to take supplements. That's what I wanted to say. <laughs> I, I love it. That is such a great, great passage for what we've talked about today and in the adrenals um, podcast. I with stress and, and such. So thank you, my friend. Thank you so much. I know when everybody loves when you're on and you break this down all so well for us. Um,
that. And thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you have a healthy and blessed week, and I will talk to you soon. Hello, friends. This is Carly. Chelsea asked me to pop in here and just kind of talk y'all through. We are approaching our second cohort start date for the School of Christian Health and Nutrition. We start on October 2nd, and we could not be more thrilled with a group of students that is forming so far. It is going to be such a beautiful time getting to know our creator and his creation so well as a group and fellowshipping together. So if the teaching that we're sharing in this podcast and that we've been talking through in this time is resonating with you, and if you feel that that tug from the Holy Spirit to take that leap of faith and join the school, check out the link in the show notes for more information about the school. Um, submit your application. Um, have a discovery call with Chelsea or with I. Um, the links will be in the show notes as well. Um, and just open your heart up in your prayer time and explore that option. But just so you guys know, enrollment is open through October 2nd. Um, we would love to have you in the cohort. If you need anything at all, just let us know and we'd be happy to talk you through it. Thanks guys so much. And we hope you have a wonderful week. Remember that my mom is an awesome nutritionist, but she's not a doctor. The information in this podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Always talk to your doctor before making changes to your nutrition or exercise program. Thanks for listening. Have a healthy and blessed week.